On today's show, the Yankees won three out of four against the White Sox, and Nestor Cortez closed out the series with a gem on Sunday afternoon. We'll talk about that performance. Briefly recap the weekend and preview the matchups against Baltimore, because again, as I keep saying, there's no rest for the weary. The Yankees aren't off till Memorial Day. All that next on Locked on Yankees. You are Locked on Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, Yankees fans. Happy Monday, May 16th. Welcome to Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Stacey Gotsoulias, and I'm joined by my co-host, Abby Mastrocco. We'd like to thank you for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Also hit the like button on our videos and please comment if you feel so inclined. And when you get into your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Yankees. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. How's your Monday going, Abby? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, where do I start? Okay, so I, <laughs> I was at Madison Square Garden last night for Game 7. That crazy overtime, the Rangers eliminated the Penguins. Also probably the end of an era because Sidney Crosby's still with the Penguins, but Malkin and Latang probably not going to be with them for much longer. So, like, lots of different storylines, right? I was working until 3.30 a.m. <laughs> I got up this morning. Um, I had a couple things I had to edit for Elite Prospects. I do some copy editing for EP Rinkside and um, I think it's going to be like an okay sort of busy day and then uh, within like five minutes of each other the Islanders hire Lane Lambert as a head coach and the Golden Knights fire Pete DeBoer as their head coach as a national hockey writer I had to handle all that on a news desk for two different outlets and um and my parents are in town because my cousin is getting married next weekend or this upcoming weekend in Philadelphia. So they are in town ahead of time. They're going to take the train down to Philly. And we've got all these plans made. And then my mom just decides, like, hmm, we're going to rearrange everything because it's raining. <laughs> and I give my parents a lot of credit for this. For this. They're not afraid to take the subway. They, if they want to take the subway, like my mom has her map, like the actual subway map, you know, and she's got the app on her phone and she's asking me questions. Well, how do I get here? And is this the best way to get there? And I'm going to be honest with you, baseball fans. I wasn't able to watch a single inning all weekend. (laughs) Game sevens got in the way. Right. And so today is going to be Stacy telling me everything I need to know about baseball, about the Yankees. Yeah. Um, the only thing I know that happened over the weekend was Albert Pujols pitched. Right. Yes. He pitched <laughs> we last night in case there. you missed that. Yeah. We were all sitting there waiting for Sidney Crosby after the game last night. And we were like, man, how dare Pujols try and upstage a game seven like this? <laughs> right. Yeah. That was pretty funny. Now, you mentioned the subway and the Yankees ace, Nestor Cortez Jr., likes to take the subway. 
Let's he also likes to pitch really well. He pitched yeah. another jam yesterday. Just unbelievable. And, you know, the only blemish was the home run that Angle hit, and that was in the eighth inning. It took until the eighth inning for the White Sox to do anything against him. Didn't issue a walk. Only gave up three hits overall. Struck out seven. His ERA is down to one three five. <laughs> he is just... He's so much fun to watch. Like, really. Um... Jeff of Locked on Reds actually told me yesterday, he's like, yeah, he's my favorite non-Red to what I just enjoy watching him by the Red, by the way, the Reds didn't give up a hit yesterday, but still <laughs> lost their game one, nothing. So it's very Mets like, yeah, very 1990 Yankees like also because, you know, Andy Hawkins with the no hitter, but they still lost for nothing. So um, yeah, poor Reds. Now, Nestor Cortez Jr.'s counterpart, Michael Kopech, had a little bit of trouble in the second inning, which is where the Yankees scored most of their runs without really doing anything uh, other than walking. Um, in case you missed this, in the second inning yesterday, Stanton flied out, Donaldson flied out. So there's two outs. Michael Kopech, Kopech is probably thinking, all right, cool. Joey Gallo walks. Um, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa singles. Gallo makes it to second. Jose Trevino walks. The base is loaded. There's a mound visit. I don't know what they said to Michael Kopech because it didn't seem to help because he walked Aaron Hicks to score Gallo. Then he walked DJ LeMayhew to score IKF. Then he uncorked a wild pitch to score Trevino to make it 3 nothing Yankees. And the only other hit, aside from the single... That Falefa hit was the home run by Joey Gallo <laughs> later in the game to make a 5-1. And How speaking of Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo these days? Yeah. Where is that stat? The first 16 games this season, Gallo's batting line was 146, 255, 167. Zero home runs, one run batted in. His last 15 games, 268, 388. It's good on base percentage. 634. His OPS is now 1.022 instead of instead of 421. (laughs) And he has five home runs, six runs batted in. So he is looking better. I did enjoy his his postgame video yesterday was funny because they were actually asking him about Cortez, what it's like being in the field behind him, watching him. You know, have you? He's like, you know, I'm lucky enough to have not faced him, and I wouldn't want to face him. And that's what um, who else said that? Someone else said that. They're like, I'm so glad I don't have to face him, and that he's on our team because he's just. Someone called him masterful. I was like, that's just a very nice <laughs> compliment to give your starting pitcher, but he really has. Nestor Cortez is the first Yankee pitcher. With at least 49 strikeouts and seven runs allowed or fewer through his first seven games of a season. First one in franchise history, which when you think about. Yeah, think about all the historic names in this franchise. Yeah, it's crazy. He's allowed three runs or fewer in 16 consecutive starts. That's tied for second longest streak in Yankees history. The only starter with a longer streak is Russ Ford, who did it for 20 games between 1910 and 1911, crossed over two seasons. So, yeah, he's doing amazing things. Um, I was going to 
Let's see. He got 14 swings and misses yesterday. Obviously, he's not on the top pitch velocity list because, as we always joke, he never is. Um, And he doesn't need to be because he's just – he's amazing. He threw 39 cutters, 37 four-seam fastballs, 20 sliders, two change-ups, one sinker. That's from Baseball Savant. And his four-seam fastball was only averaging 90.8 yesterday. His max was 93.3. His minimum was 87.3. So, And when you have, like, in today's baseball, today's game, you have so many fireballers, and especially these big, tall starting pitchers. Everything is coming at hitters 97 miles an hour or faster. Yeah. So then you've got a guy like Nestor Cortez that you're facing, and all of a sudden, like, you're just core, like, you're geared up for heat. And yeah. then it's minister. Like it really does. It really does mess with timing for some yeah. people. And then you know we talked about just how the how his delivery also messes with their timing. Right. His changing of the arm slot and everything. Yeah. Yeah. When you've got a guy like this who can command all of his pitches at a lower speed, and he really does get outs effectively. Like it. It's such a fun thing to watch. Like, watch these at-bats. Like, watch how corked up these guys are when they're facing him. And then all of a sudden, it's like, it's a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. Like, it, it, they're not expecting it. They, they Muscle memory and your quick-twitch muscles are so important to hitters. Yeah. And when they are ready for something that's so much faster, it's almost like they just don't see it coming. Like, they know it's coming, but they can't adjust to it quick enough. Right. With that game yesterday, the Yankees took three out of four. We're going to talk about the game that they lost briefly because it's the same old issue that keeps popping up for Jordan Montgomery. No run support. But before we talk about that, our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs. I don't know if Phoenix even knew there was a game last night. I couldn't believe the score when I saw it at halftime. And then the final score was, just, you know, sometimes game sevens are exciting, like the Rangers and Penguins and Flames and Stars. And then basketball, it's kind of like want want. You can also bet on Major League Baseball scores, fights, and next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out Locked On Now. It's the podcast where you get Major League Baseball recaps with analysis from our local experts who are taking fans through the season like no other network. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, Jordan Montgomery, that poor guy, unbelievable. Yeah. He's he's gotten eight runs of support in seven starts. And I know that when he saw the Friday night game and they scored 10, he probably thought to the, to himself, yeah, they're probably not going to do this for me tomorrow, yeah. are they? <laughs> he's, he's got such bad timing, like where he is in the rotation. Like maybe Aaron Boone should like bump him up in the rotation for a couple turns just so like, you you know, you're getting a turn to have some offense now. Or like even they push him, maybe push him back one. Like I don't know. Something, something has to be done for poor Jordan Montgomery. It's just really bad timing. Um, I joked that 
because Aaron Hicks has trouble with runners in scoring position that anyone on second and third should wear an invisibility cloak like from Harry Potter so he doesn't realize that there are runners on base and he can get a hit. I think Jordan Montgomery needs to don a disguise in his next start. His next start is against Baltimore, I believe, because it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's a four-game series. So, yeah, I think he needs to, you know, maybe fake mustache. Uh, The Yankees might have the old ones lying around from when they – wore them for Jason Giambi in 2008. Um, I'm kind of surprised that they... Valentine. Yeah, I'm surprised they don't do that for Nestor. You know, because his mustache is like... Oh, that would be fantastic. Yeah, why don't they do that? He's having a really good start, and then all of a sudden, like, he comes out of the game, and everybody in the dugout's just wearing mustaches. Yeah. I... I would lose it. That's fantastic. And this Yankees team actually is fun. Like... Sure, the Yan- like to everybody else, every other fan around the league, the Yankees are sort of like you know, they're Stiff. the evil empire. You know, they they yeah. they've always had that reputation for fans outside the league. But like, if you've been watching in New York for the last five years, you know this is actually kind of a fun group. Yeah. They had Bronxy the Turtle last year. I, the mustaches would that seems like something that they would probably kind of embrace. Yeah, this yeah. this particular group. I, yeah, I, sure. Um, Jason Giambi had that mustache in 08 and um, Bobby Abreu and um, Moose, Mike Messina, would wear them because they were handing out Jason Giambi mustaches. And I thought that was really funny. But, bag. Yeah. but yeah, this team, you know, I noticed it. Um, Aaron Judge and Josh Donaldson do fadeaway jumpers when they celebrate someone's home run. Gallo and Donaldson have a shimmy that they do. And I'm just like, I love I love stuff like that. I think it's great. And I love that, you know, some of us were worried about the Donaldson thing, but he's fitting in so well with them. And there's absolutely, it's like he's been on the team forever with the way he's interacting with all these guys. And I just think that's great. And, you know, that... They do that. They're not going to treat him like crap because of something he said about Garrett Cole, as long as he apologized and he did. And, you know, he's like, I'm here. We're going to try and win. And, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to help you guys. He made a spectacular defensive play yesterday behind Nestor Cortez diving for the ball. And, you know, to see 37-year-old Josh Donaldson make a play like that, it was kind of scary. But when he got up and he was okay, I was like, okay, okay, good. Thank God. Because, um, I said it last week. I feel like things are going too well and I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it's just very, um, this isn't comfortable for me. I don't like it. <laughs> New York is nothing to complain about right now. Except I know. Maybe the thunderstorms today. Right. I mean, there really isn't anything. Complain about signal issues, guys. Let's, let's, the Yankees are doing well. The Mets are doing well. The Rangers advanced to the second round. I don't know if it, it's probably too early to complain about football. Complain yeah. about signal issues. Yeah. yeah. Eric Adams. Yeah. His weird diet. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Saturday was kind of rough. You know, they didn't really score for Montgomery. Then they rallied. Then Chapman blows it and ends up losing the game. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa makes a blunder on the base paths that kind of ruined the rally. And, like, the Yankees probably could have scored more and kind of pulled ahead instead of tying. And it just was – it just wasn't their day. And the good thing about it was I just thought, all right, it's just one of those games – I didn't have the same feeling that I would have gotten last season where I thought, oh, God, here we go. This is going to start. <laughs> this is going to start a, a bad roll. And then they came out yesterday. And, yeah, you know, they weren't really hitting, but they were able to score. Nestor Cortez pitched as 
butt off and they found a way to win and they did. So they took three out of four from the White Sox, which is, it's all you can do. I mean, sweeping a four game series is hard, really. You know, I know some people complain about that. Oh, what? Even against bad teams, it's not that easy to sweep four games, really. So, I mean, we talked about this last week. When the Yankees lose one, they find a way to win the next. Yeah. They haven't lost consecutive games. I mean, they don't have any long losing streaks. No. And they've lost, they've, sorry, excuse me. They've won eight consecutive series now since they dropped that series to Baltimore. So, they haven't lost consecutive games since early April. And their only consecutive losses were two losses one to Boston and one to Toronto. Back to back games, really? They had that long, they reeled off that long winning streak. Like, Look, they are finding a way to win the next one. They're finding ways to win when they're down in games. Four-game sweep would have been great, sure, but hey, maybe they sweep Baltimore. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Balt. Speaking of Baltimore, we're going to preview the pitching matchups because it is another four-game series. Lots of those lately. But before we do that, I'm very excited about this. She is so (laughs) excited. Okay, if you're not watching on YouTube, I'm holding up a Built Bar Puff, the birthday cake. I have it in my possession. I've eaten one. And let me tell you. Okay, so imagine dipping your finger into that plastic tub of birthday cake frosting and then realizing it's only 150 calories. That's what it's like eating this. It's it's unbelievable. They're so good. They're really, really good. Now, I will say, they're very sweet. If you like very sweet stuff and stuff that definitely tastes bad for you but is good for you, get the Built Bar Birthday Cake Puff. Every puff is covered in 100% chocolate. This one is covered in white chocolate and sprinkles, just like a birthday cake, and only 150 calories. All Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. That means with Built, you can eat healthy and enjoy doing it. And... They're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs. There you go. More efficiently provides health benefits. Go to Built.com. Get the birthday cake puff now. I'm telling you, get it. Use our promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. It's a Monday and the weather is weird and everything is weird. Now, what's not weird is the Yankees playing the Orioles. They're going to be playing against them next week, too. This series is in Baltimore tonight. Luis Severino against Kyle Bradish, who is a rookie. I used to be worried about that. We'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> Severino, everything. I do worry about everything. I do. I've been anxious since I was born, basically. Severino has a 4.08 ERA with 31 strikeouts in 28 and two-third innings. Bradish, 4-2-4 ERA with 16 strikeouts in 17 innings. He was drafted by the Angels in the 2018 draft. (laughs) And he was sent to the Orioles in exchange for Dylan Bundy prior to the 2020 season in that package for Dylan Bundy. So... Again, it'll be the first time that the Yankees are seeing him. On Tuesday, Jamison Tyone against Spencer Watkins. Tyone, um, as we said the last time, he's just been he's been really good this season. And, I mean, honestly, most of the Yankee starters have been really good this season. And yeah. it's one of their strengths. He has a 2.93 ERA. He has 25 strikeouts in 30 and two-third innings. And... 
Apparently, he's currently tied for the fourth best walk rate in Major League Baseball at 2.3%, and he's allowed two or fewer runs in each of his six starts. So, yeah, he's doing really well. This is the Tyone the Yankees wanted. I said this before his last start. This is what they were looking for or hoping for because, you know, he was a reclamation project along with Corey Kluber. We also said that the last time we previewed his um, start, but it's working out well for the Yankees right now with him. It sort of bears repeating because it also leads, it, it, it illustrates how good the Yankees um, scouting department is and that they're able to identify these guys like Jameson Tyone, Clay Holmes, Nestor Cortez, that still have something left in them that they can pull out and sort of help to reshape the reshape that. Maybe not completely, maybe not completely reshape. Maybe that's not the correct term. But the Yankees scouting staff is very good at identifying, you know, a couple things that, that some of these pitchers do well and saying, keep doing these things well and it will work out. And it so far it has worked out with those three pitchers and they've been really impactful. Yeah. Super important pitchers. And like Let's give the scouting staff a round of applause there. Yeah. I also feel like Matt Blake, um, I don't know what he's doing with some of these guys. I feel like if Sonny Gray were with the Yankees and Matt Blake was the pitching coach, things would have worked out a lot differently for Sonny Gray. (laughs) There's a lot of, there's a lot of shenanigans going on when Sonny Gray was here. And um, yeah, I had a whole rant about that, a whole podcast. Uh, How many years ago was that now? Yeah, it was, it was bad. Wednesday night. The first three games are night games, and then sun, uh, Sunday, Thursday, I'm thinking it's a weekend, Thursday is a day game. Wednesday night is Garrett Cole against Jordan Lyles. Cole, 3-0, 2.95 ERA, 46 strikeouts in 36 and two-third innings. I have to say, I love pissy Garrett Cole. I like snarky Garrett Cole. My favorite thing about the other night was he had that balk and he got really pissed off at himself and then he just immediately struck out the batter because I knew that was going to happen. I could see it in his face. I'm like, oh yeah, he's going to throw a pitch that's going to confuse this guy, isn't he? And sure enough, yes. And then he stalked off the mound like, you know, Um, you know, I like that when he first came over. I was like, oh, I like how fiery he is because I wasn't really paying attention to him really. Even when he was on the Astros, I didn't really pay attention to him and I didn't, you know, because when you don't see someone every five starts, you don't see a lot about him and yeah, I, I I I pissed off Garrett Cole is like one of my favorite things ever. And um, you know, I know that he wasn't happy with the way things started, but even when you look at the way things started, even though his ERA was bloated, he hasn't really done that bad. Like it was just those first no. couple of starts and then he's And and like we said, it was too early to panic and oh, yeah. I know there were a lot of people who were very worried after those first two starts. I, you know, when you pay a guy that much money, yeah, you are going to worry after a couple disastrous starts like that. Right. <laughs> but it was the first two after right. a weird spring training. Yeah. And I still stand by the fact that, look, we predicted that he would turn this around and he has. Right. In his last four outings, he's pitched to a 1.42 ERA with 34 strikeouts in only 25 and one third innings. And he would have done better, actually. Um, against the White Sox if there weren't a couple of defensive mishaps behind him as well. So, you know, things were happening, but his overall numbers look great. And Jordan Lyles, his opponent, 
making his eighth start. He has a 4.38 ERA, 32 strikeouts in 39 innings on the nose. There's no thirds there. Good for you, Jordan Lyles. I always like round numbers. And then on Thursday, Jordan Montgomery. Oh, he's up against Bruce Zimmerman. (laughs) He's always up against guys that are. Oh, man. Oh, poor Jordan Montgomery. Okay. So he, in seven starts, his ERA is 3.06. He has 29 strikeouts and 31 and one-third innings. Um, he's currently tied for the seventh worst run support. He only gets 2.3 runs a game. And this is throughout the league. So he's up against Bruce Zimmerman, who's making his eighth start. Now, he's 2-2, two and two, but he has a 2.72 ERA with 32 strikeouts and 36 and one-third innings. So it always feels like, He's up against guys that could do well. You know, he's never really up against a guy that you look at an ERA and you think, all right, the Yankees should be able to get this to this guy because his ERA is around five. No, Bruce Zimmerman's actually pretty good. So we'll see what happens with that game. But I really think if anyone from the Yankees is watching or listening, just put a disguise on Jordan Montgomery on Thursday afternoon at Camden Yards. That might actually help. Get that like the Natty Bow. We'll make him turn him into the Natty Bow guy. Yeah. Yeah. Little naughty bohemian guy. Disguise. Uh, First thing I mean, that came to mind was the wire. I don't think that's where, that's that's the right one. But the naughty bow guy. Oh, poor Jordan Montgomery. And then after after Baltimore, they welcome the White Sox to the stadium, and then they welcome Baltimore to the stadium because again, it's a very strange schedule. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we see the Rays for the first time. Just in time for, of course, the Rays are going to be the last series before their off day when they're, you know, dragging themselves to, <laughs> to the stadium to play a game because, the, you know, 23 games in 22 days is kind of rough, you know, when you plan, uh, you plan on having a couple of off days in there and then they don't happen. Like, uh, that can't really be fun. So we'll see how the, the Yankees, you know, handle this week and next week, because right now. Things look really good, but, you know, they could kind of run into a wall. So be prepared for that, people. Just, you know. It's it's a lot, but I do think the way that Aaron Boone has been sort of working guys in and out of the lineup, has it's going to keep guys' legs fresh. And that's, look, that's part of his job as a manager. Yeah. Rolling out the same lineup every night would be great right now, but it's just not not possible because you don't want to, like, just grind guys down. And can we say, can we say this, that it's not just the players, you know, I mean, yes, they're winning the games, but a lot of stuff that Boone does is actually helping this team win, (laughs) you know, decisions he makes, (laughs) uh, lineups that he puts out, you know, resting some guys. I know some people like were really, he rested judge like a day before an off day or two days before an off day and people were like what and then he came back and hit a home run anyway and you know there's a method to Boone's madness I think now that we're four seasons in I think he kind of gets he kind of knows what he's doing now and um I just I, I keep going back to last year when Cashman said if I let him go he would be the number one manager on the market and it's true yeah I mean, a few nights ago, we heard the same rationale when the Toronto Maple Leafs lost in game seven to Tampa, which, by the way, it was really funny. Shout out to my friend Arda O'Cal at ESPN. He tweeted the um, 
he tweeted the Blue Jays raised score and he's like, well, at least one team from Tampa beat a team from Tampa Bay or one team from Toronto beat a team from Tampa Bay. <laughs> um, yeah, that was kind of cool, actually, that the Rays and the Jays and the Maple Leafs and Lightning yeah. were playing at the same time. When, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk from fans who want to like blow everything up in Toronto because they can't get out of the first round. If they were to trade away somebody like Mitch Marner, I mean, you're not going to trade Austin Matthews, but I've seen some fans even say like, trade Austin Matthews out of there, get rid of, get rid of Sheldon Keefe. If you got rid of one of one, if not all of those guys, like there are teams lining up to take them. Right. So what does that say? Yeah. Same with Aaron Boone. If you got rid of Aaron Boone, there would be teams lining up to take Aaron Boone. Yeah. Do you, so that says something. Mm -hmm. he, he And like, Last year, the, I think the argument that I heard was that this is this like something that fans always say, like, oh, he's lost the locker room. How do you know? I don't think he did. How do you know? You're not in that locker room. Yeah, no, I don't think he did. Honestly, like I see this all. This is like such a common thing that I see a complaint that I see from fans when things are going badly for a team. They say the coach, the manager, that he's lost the locker, the captain, he's lost the locker room. Yeah. How I'm do you know? You're, you're gauging this based on a couple on 20 seconds of press conference footage. You're not in that locker room. They are more private than ever. And yes, there are some team insiders who are probably more privy to that information than somebody like me is who drops in and out of games. Cause I have to cover 60 something teams. But even when I was a beat writer, I was hearing this all the time. Oh, he's lost. Locker. No, no. The message can get stale sometimes. That doesn't mean that the manager has lost the team completely. And that's the one thing that last year I always thought, like, even just on Zoom press conferences, it really seemed like the team bought into what Aaron Boone was selling and really rallied around him. And look, I think the decision to keep him has paid off this season. Yeah. It was an unpopular decision last year, but I think, it, I think that Cashman's decision has, you know, He's sort of been vindicated from that one. Um, I feel like a lot of his decisions he's been vindicated from so far. <laughs> so far. <laughs> well, and there were a lot of people who wanted Cashman gone last year, too. Yeah. I mean, I was one of them just because it's a cumulative thing because he's been there for so long. And I felt like if there was a way for the Yankees to get someone new, um, but not new for the Yankees, not new to GM work and someone who has a reputation of... But, yeah, I mean, there's also that part of me that's the nostalgic part of me that, you know, I mean, we grew up together, me and Cashman. He's not that much older than me. So it's like, you know, I saw him come up and it was like so exciting that someone that young became a GM. It's like, wow, he's not that much older than me. And uh, I used to work for Cashman's college roommate, Jimmy Patsos, a basketball coach. Um, he was the coach at Loyola in Maryland when I was working in media relations there back in 2009, 10. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy is one of a kind, let me tell you. And Cashman's so, like, he's so, like, even keel. He really is. Jimmy Patsos is. Like me? <laughs> is it a Greek thing? <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> Jimmy, like. He's very volatile. He's a nice guy. Like Jimmy was yelling at me at Orioles opening day one time. He was like, has any other basketball coach that you've ever worked with cared like me? Jimmy cares. Jimmy cares about you, Abby. Jimmy cares. It was like a Seinfeld sketch. I, I was going to say, I was and like, that sounds like Jimmy from Seinfeld. That's funny. It was so like, 
I Jimmy once removed himself from a game because he didn't want to get a technical foul. And I think he like set an NCAA record for like technicals in like his okay, first year of coaching, something like that. And, okay, and like he's funny. the guy who also um, did the like reverse box and one on Steph Curry when Steph was still at Davidson in college. Like he is, I don't even know how to describe Jimmy Patsos. He's just one of a kind, but it's so funny because he stayed really good friends with Brian Cashman. And I just find it like, it really is true that opposites attract because Cashman's like so level-headed and so steady. And Jimmy is just like, he is a roller coaster of emotions, man. Like that is, and that is an understatement. Same. <laughs> um, <laughs> so on tomorrow's show, recap tonight's game, whatever happens, we'll see, I guess. You know, Yankees in Baltimore for four. Should be interesting to see how they if they keep rolling and as i said baltimore was just swept by the tigers so they're kind of on a downturn and uh yeah so uh, that's it for this episode of locked on yankees which is part of the locked on podcast network your team every day abby and i would like to remind you that you can listen to this show in apple podcasts Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Again, like and comment on YouTube. I respond. And when you get into your car, tell your smart device to play podcasts locked on MLB. Now make your second listen of the day locked on MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully and please wish him a happy 50th birthday. He turned 50 yesterday. Brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues, both past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. One more thing, if you could be so kind, please rate the podcast and spread the word about this podcast to your fellow Yankee fans. We would really appreciate it. So enjoy your Monday and we will talk to you tomorrow. Also, please leave Stacy a five-star review because she carried the team today. Oh. Thing. <laughs>